1: Chartered Life. Chartered Life. Well good evening everybody and welcome to Charlton Live sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendez. This is our first show of 2024. I hope you guys all had a fantastic Christmas a new year period uh, very much away uh, from the football uh, joining me to look back at that period and of course ahead to Saturday's trip up to Port Vale first up top right of the screen Joe Putty-foot, head heading Joe
2: yeah great uh, lovely festive period uh, lots of brilliant presents unfortunately quite a lot of football as well but it's a new year so gotta have at least four days off it's uh, been a bit of an upside
1: yeah, it's it's it, it certainly took the edge off the, the festive, the festivities, isn't it? The old, the old Cholton there. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that shortly. Bob on the screen uh, also joining
0: us there is, uh, is Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Lou? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you. How are you? How was your Christmas?
1: Uh, yeah, it is ruined consistently over and over and over <laughs> by the football, unfortunately. But other than that, it was fine, mate. Thank you. Yeah, good evening uh, to everyone joining us uh, in the chat as well. Loads of you guys in there already. Bob uh, Roberts in there. Andrew's in there. All hell let loose. David. Uh, Jeff, Dudley, Powered, Keith, Sam, Jay, Paul, Scott and Sam. Cuts, they're all in there. Let's know uh, what you've made of uh, things since we were last here. We're going to hear uh, some of the, uh, the, the moments that have happened since we were last here. Bear in mind, our last game that we previewed was Burton. So we've got four games to discuss. Um, a lot of disappointment unfortunately uh, in there, we're going to look ahead to Port Vale uh, later on in the show, perhaps do some some uh, transfer talk as well, but yeah we've got Mike Bagley from the Valiant newsletter is uh, going to let us know a little bit about Vale uh, before our trip up there and we'll hear from Michael Appleton uh, as well but let's just remind ourselves of what's happened uh, since we last, our last show was our Christmas special which was the preview uh, of the Burton game, we'd have to say it wasn't a very Merry Christmas for the Addicts
3: Crossed by Hughes, it will drop to the edge of the area, and surely there's an offside flag there. No, nothing given, and Sweeney has equalised for Burton. Again,
4: how many points are we conceding late on? Yeah, just just disappointing. You know, the reality is, is they haven't looked like scoring a goal this afternoon, and I think in those moments um, when you need to see the game out, I'd expect us to be a little bit more professional. Mm-hmm.
3: 1-2 with Ford, who gets the ball into the box. Hector spoons it up in the air, it allows Maynard Brewer to come out, punches it away under pressure, and then Fraser completes the clearance. But Brown meets it first and gets it across to Aguiay on the right-hand side. Prattley making move in the middle, he goes past Eden, ball back across, finished by Beckles. For have the lead.
4: Well, we said the substitution of Aguiay may make a difference.
1: It gets past Eden far too easily.
4: We can't sort of step away from a game losing one nil when the opposition only have really a ten minute spell of pressure.
1: You put your finger on why that, that keeps happening over the last few weeks, because you could argue Burton only had a couple of minutes spell, Cambridge only had a few minutes spell and they have all managed to get goals.
4: Yeah, no, I mean listen, I think this today was definitely a build up of that. Uh prior, it's difficult to tell really because obviously, you know, at that moment when you're heading the game, yes, you're hanging on and you're trying to Sort of see out a game, um, and that has its moments, its nervous moments.
3: the clumsy trip, quick free kick into the feet of Collins, gets the ball across. And the home side had to lead, the players are looking across for an offside. I didn't see who finished it at the far post. I think it's- said it once or twice, well more than once or twice in this game we
4: switched off. If it took the, the last two minutes of stoppage si, time out of like the way you sort of thought and the way you see things, then you'd be absolutely delighted because the performance was top draw. We'd probably be coming and being disappointed if we have actually got a point.
3: Air of uh, anxiousness in the valley crowd as uh, Smith takes a shot! And that's gone beyond Maynard Brewer and into the back of the Charlton net. I was just about to say, actually, Tell, when there was a bit of a breeder, we've gone
4: very, very defensive since the substitution. i got to say, can't ask
1: any more of the players. They, they give me everything they could. I guess you understand the reaction from the fans, of course, with the run re- results that's going on at the moment.
4: Yeah, but there has to be perspective as well, which there never is in football. So, yeah, I can, I complete it. It's, we're in a, you win and everything's fantastic you lose and everything's not fantastic. That's the business we're in, I get that. What's the perspective that you'd like the fans to sort of understand at the moment? We've got nine injuries and probably six or seven are probably first team regulars. And that's the, the reason that Cheltenham are in this current run? Is... Well, in the first probably seven, eight games and we've been here, we never lost a game. We looked like we were gonna roll teams over three or four nil.
1: there we go that was a look back at some of our fixtures over the festive periods and uh yeah some of the reactions from the addicts boss michael uh, appleton as well um joe so over the the four games we've had since then, we picked up one point uh three defeats uh, in that time as well we're now six games without a win uh, in league one we've only won two of our last 12 we haven't kept a clean sheet in those 12 games we're 14 points off the playoffs my graph is uh, blown up basically the playoffs just aren't going to happen Unfortunately, this season, because we'd have to turn into the best team in League One for the rest of the campaign. And I I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we are not the best team in League One, Joe. Um, That Christmas period has killed us. It's over. We've ruined the season again. And 4th of January, the season's over.
2: Yeah, I
1: don't know who asked
2: Father Christmas for another season in League One, but whoever it is needs to look at themselves in the mirror because he is delivered. <clears throat> well, actually, maybe not. relegation form at the minute. Let's not let's not be too too optimistic, I suppose. Uh the, all four of those games as well, similar patterns. Uh Burton, it felt like we were gonna throw that one away. Um, surprised it took so long. Uh and then the losses have just been abject. I mean, we've we've been a long way off the pace, and you just don't see us getting a result at the minute. I'm pretty astounded that Appleton is is still here um, I don't know how long this can continue but you lose at Port Vale on Saturday um, and you're looking at a really really tricky run in. and that these are meant to be in the easy games the festive period should have been a really buoyant period for us where we're picking up some points and and looking up the league and we've come out a bit looking over our shoulder uh, and it's it's basic errors in, in defense not marking people falling asleep after 80 minutes you know he, and in on saturday he went to a back six on oh, monday sorry he went to a back six before the goal It's just you don't under i don't understand what is happening at that club and you know we brought in a man to work with a young squad he's blaming a lack of experience it's just not what he is what he's saying isn't in tune with what's actually happening on the pitch he's got enough experience to not be as poor as we are so I don't know where we go from here, but I think everything for Appleton rests on that game on Saturday. It could be quite an interesting atmosphere if he doesn't get a convincing win.
1: Just to get while you're still here then, Joe, just to get your perspective. You said you're surprised he hasn't gone. Do you, are you at the stage where you want him gone already, even when he calls for perspective with, with the injury problems that we've got particularly up front?
2: Yeah, gone. Um, I've I've been... I've been done with Appleton for a few games actually before Christmas the, the persistence of playing May on the right wing the persistence of playing Fraser over Watson I don't understand either of those decisions and I don't think the average Charlton fan will be sitting there looking at that thinking he's setting us up for success um, and how do you how do you persist with a manager who from my my view is deliberately harming our season and our prospects. Because if we lose Louis Watson, who is a cut above the likes of Fraser in that midfield, he's making our squad weaker for the second half. And if you take Appleton's six matches with an EK out of the system, we would be one point or sort of goal difference outside of relegation zone. So he's, he's unless he gets an EK back and fit for the rest of the season, we're we're in, we're in trouble under his current philosophy.
1: Lou, I mean, uh, is is Joe focusing too much on the manager or not enough? Are you in the same boat or would would you give him more time?
0: It's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't want us to become this football club that just chops and changes managers at the first sign of trouble. But I I do feel as if the appointment was always greeted with that mediocrity. I I think that the decision to sack Dean felt a little bit sort of knee-jerk and very sudden. And I think we were all pretty surprised back at the end of August when that decision was made after just those four games, Um, with the window still open to do business, it was clear there was a breakdown in relationship there. Um Appleton came in and obviously I think he he had some luxuries that Dean never had in, in those initial games, as Joe referenced already. But, you know, Miles leeburn came back in fit. He was missing at the start for Dean. Chucks and obviously made a massive impact in the time that, that he was fit. Pan Kamara came back into the fold. He had a lot more... um a lot more tools to play with, if you like. Um, and as he started facing the same uh, difficulties and hurdles that, that Dean did at the start, we've seen that form really tail off. And it's not—it's not so much that I'm disappointed uh, with him as such. It's difficult. What, what I'm trying to say, is, I think, is that we're facing the same problems with with Appleton as as we were when you lose those key people. We we tend to go off the boil, and I think. The problem is that the manner in which we've we've gone off the boil has been incredibly disappointing because even with the injuries that we have had, we, we've we got really good players on paper in that squad that should be doing much better than they are. And I don't think those players are being utilised correctly. My, my biggest gripe at the moment is is players playing in all sorts of random positions. I mean, we've spoken about the Alfie one numerous times. He's the most prolific goal scorer in the country and we've got him playing out of position. I know that sometimes he's looked isolated when he's been playing in a nine on his own, but then you have to base your team around making him a success. And I don't feel like we play to our best player's strengths. And, and the only person that comes down to is the manager, because he's picking the tactics and he's picking the team week in, week out. I don't think, I know he's not got a huge amount of options at the moment, but I don't think we're seeing a huge amount of, of imagination and, and creativity in terms of chopping and changing things when it goes wrong. At the moment, what was it over Christmas? Apart from Alfie being injured, I think we saw pretty much unchanged sides, and all, all of those sides went on to lose games. And, and that's incredibly disappointing that, and that can only fall on the manager, really, because he's the one that's picking the side. Um, I, I don't think that chopping and changing managers, are, I don't want to become that club, but I don't think this appointment was really, really ever sold on Charlton fans from the off. And I, and I think that because of that, we're maybe seeing. The, the the sort of feelings towards Appleton turning much quicker than maybe you would normally.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm just scrolling through the comments as well. We've got loads of uh, views um, coming in. Uh, Michael's saying, I think a lot of fans feel the same now. When we concede, you just sit there, you don't feel nothing. Oh yeah, that's how happened again. Robert's saying, we can't keep changing managers. Uh, we need stability. But Keith's saying the manager has to go, as, uh, do more than half the squad. But who's going to want to come in? Uh, to Cheltenham right now, it is a uh, a big mess. I mean, Paul's asking if it's the, the manager or the squad. I mean, we've re- we've re- referenced in the injuries, then, Joe, which was what the perspective that that Michael's asked for the fans to to look at uh, after that defeat against Oxford on on Monday. Um, but are, are you saying that that plays no part in this? You know, we we've we've had injury hit squads a lot. You know, and and like we say, we saw Dean had that problem at the start of the season, and he still got sacked. Have you seen? anything from from michael to suggest it's, it's been different recently or, or that he has to be able to to bring those those injuries into the conversation
2: injuries are a fair point if you if you lose a an nikkei and you lose lee burn you, you lose a physical outlet up top um so there's no there's no doubt in my mind that he would probably be getting better results with those players at his disposal but you, i still come back to what does he need to have available for him to play may centrally well chem is a winger and he's been playing in midfield and he's starting to get to grips with it now but but you could easily be swapping those over fraser is a decision that he he dropped fraser we lost two games on the bounce um i oh, sorry brought fraser in we lost two games on the bounce and watson's not been able to get back into that squad and, and there must be something behind the scenes but if watson is saying well, hang on, we were playing really well. I was a key part of it. But now I'm not in and the team's struggling. You know, I'd like to have another opportunity. Then I think he's well within his rights to feel disappointed. And I think most of the squad would be looking at that and thinking, well, hang on, no, Watson's got something and we need that, that ability. And you come to Saturday, he's saying that he's comfortable sitting behind the ball, the opposition having it. And the presenter on Cholton TV said to him, well, Dobbo came over and said, we can't get out and we're struggling. I made a joke that I didn't realise there was a slope towards the away stand. Uh, it, but it, that's how it felt. It felt like we were just kicking the ball uphill. It was rolling back down to us. And it's those types of decisions that he's struggling to get with. And if the if he can only get results, and I'm not saying he has to win every game, but but two in 12 and both of those, we were fortunate to get away with the wins in the end, isn't good enough and he's not he's deliberately making decisions that make us worse so, so what's he need to make it work for him he needs the best squad in the league and then then who might scrape us into the playoffs and that's just not good enough you need a manager that makes you more than the sum of your parts he's working actively to make us less than the sum of his parts from my viewing of the games that we're watching at a minute
1: Mm, um I mean Daniel's saying before the influx of injuries, Appleton was doing well for us. a so lack of quality and depth is why we are where we are harsh to blame the manager, uh, solely powered four says Appleton was playing rude uh, when he said that fans need uh perspective. Um, Oh, Port Vale fans telling us that they're decimated as well. Well, hopefully that will help on Saturday at least. Um, uh, Anthony said, uh, sickening once again, yet another intolerable loss and more excuses. Who hasn't got injuries in this league? No excuse for not being hungry. First of the ball and urgent over the whole match. I mean, certainly Oxford had a lot of injuries uh, going into the, the game on, on Monday uh, as well. I mean, before we get on to the squad and, and, and Andy Scott, who's certainly a name that's coming up in, in the comments quite a lot, um, Dean saying our oh, football is a reflection of the manager, boring, drab, uh, and motionless. I mean, one one key element of the games over the Christmas period is the fact that we've now conceded six goals in the last ten minutes of games o- over the last six games. Um, you know, statistically, if you look at the amount of goals scored across League One, you get more goals in the last ten minutes of games statistically for everyone. But the issue is, we're we're in a situation now where it's happened to us consistently, and it's cost us six points in that time you know that, that's before you obviously take into account that other stages in the season you know we, we try and balance it out but the fact is we're on a bad run in terms of that so can you put your finger on why that happens Lewis I asked Michael about that on Monday and, and, and he sort of said he didn't know um what's your view on that
0: well you'd think the manager doesn't know I don't know how I'm gonna have a clue really but it's uh you know it's it's one of those things where you put it down to character I think I, I, I think that One of the things Michael referenced, but I don't really agree with, is he says it's about like experienced players. But when you look at the eleven that we played recently, I mean, you're you're picking out if if you go back to Oxford, I know like Tyrese Campbell's young, but he's he's played a fair bit. Probably when you look at Caroy, maybe and and Ash, are fairly young. Apart from that, you're looking at like experienced pros, like you know Hector Jones eden dobson like all these players they're not they're not like making their debut in football like they they've been playing a fair while you know dobson's our captain he's it's not like we're missing him you know i find that all a bit strange and I, I think it just comes down to purely like whether it's it's tactics it's the way that we're we're chucking everything behind the ball not defending well enough i, I don't know like, I, I can't put it down to it to me it's just it's stupid things like the, everyone was raving about the goal Oxford scored on uh, on New year's Day uh, on social media and stuff it, the bloke had like half a God knows how much space to if, if you give anyone with half a decent right foot a shot from sort of that that far unchallenged they're all gonna have a chance of getting it in it, it I just find it all really really strange I, I can't put my finger on why we're so weak in that in that last period of the game whether we lose focus concentration, you can't really put it down to extended injury time and and fatigue. I know that there is a lot of a lot of extra minutes being played these days, but that occurs that that applies to every every football team. It's not just us. It's really difficult to pinpoint. You, you'd have to put it down to character. I think is the only thing you can put it down to. I think we've got quite a few sort of weak weak minded players and and stuff in in that sense. And we've raised this so many times before. I think like attitudes and heads dropping and not looking bothered we see it far too often and and fans are getting sick of it. And I think really we're starting to get caught out a little bit now. I mean, if you're an opposition fan, if, if you're Port Vale this weekend, if you're Port Vale's manager, caretaker manager, whatever they've got at the moment, and you're looking at our record at the end of the game, you're thinking like chuck everything at them in the last 10 minutes and we'll win that game. And that's a big concern. It's something we've got to iron out pretty quickly. And if Appleton can't work out what it is, then we're in trouble because that is our Achilles heel at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean especially if, if, if the, the, the fact that we have a young squad is referenced. I mean if you look at some of the some of the goals that have gone in late in I mean basically some of the goals we've conceded throughout the whole time, but who are the players who are having the defensive laps at that late goal at Bristol Rovers, where well, it's Tao uh, down the left hand side, both the central defenders are caught flat for pretty much everyone, but you know, se- senior players. Um who who are the the players in that in that back four and midfield that were un- unable to let that to block that long shot against Oxford, you know, it's between Fraser and Dobson. Fraser's gone sort of with the wrong man, and then reacted too slowly. Dobson's tried to come across, but it's a senior back four that's that's let that goal in as well. If they're to be blamed, which I don't think they are for that one, but as I'm saying it's, it's 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 a pretty senior part of the pitch that's letting us down at the moment as well. So I don't really think you can you can talk about the youth. I mean, the goal we conceded at Leighton Orient was just every, everyone had a go. <laughs> everyone had a go at getting it wrong, Joe. I mean, that's what sums up a little bit where we are you now. Because I've, I've looked at those four performances that are scrolling across the screen. So the Burton game, you know, we started off brightly, but then it felt for all the world that we weren't going to kill the game off. Maybe we had one or two chances, and then the inevitable happened where we fell asleep um, from a free kick. The Latin Orient game was just a really bad performance against a really bad Latin Orient team as well. You know, I was there... For Radio London, and we're being balanced there. But I was saying that both teams look poor in this game, um, and you know we we, we still conceded that the Bristol Rovers game. Obviously, we heard Michael's comments in in the clip there about how he thought we played excellent. I, I, I certainly wouldn't have gone anywhere near that far. I I, I would argue it was better than letting Orient, as in we had two spells, fifteen minutes either half, where we looked. Like we could score a goal and put this opposition under a little bit of pressure. But th- that's, in a way, even worse because we can still find a way to throw away games at the moment. Um, lack of concentration, whatever you want to call it. You know, in Oxford. Again, it felt quite inevitable after a really bright start that we were that we were going to concede because we were getting deeper and deeper, and you know that that mistake is always in there, even if it is a bit you know a bit of bad luck with the fact that the geezers who's literally never scored a goal before has pinged one forty yards out into the top corner. It's still us that gave him the space you know invited him to have the shot so I mean, what does that say about even the senior players at the moment, Joe, that these lapses of concentrations or these mistakes, even when they have a slightly better game, they're still there and it's costing us, you know, it's cost us already. It's too late to get into the playoffs now with what we've done. Even if we go and sign four Messi's and five Ronaldo's in January, we're not going to get into the playoffs because we've just left ourselves too much to do.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I, think, I think some of our experienced pro- players are probably part of the problem. I mean, Hector, I've not really not really liked at all this season. I think he's been so prone to errors. There's one point this season he was responsible for, I I worked out about two thirds of the goals that he was on the pitch for. So he's hardly a steadying force at the, at the back. Um, Jones is the only one that you can really sort of hang your hat on in that defensive line, I think to, to put in a good solid performance and, and the players like Fraser just don't seem at it at the minute. So we're calling for experience, but we're, we're not we're not getting what we need out of those players. And you mentioned Orin. It, it was a dreadful performance from start to finish. Bristol, I had a couple of bright spells, but listen to the Oxford manager's uh, press conference. He said they lost a, pl- a player on the morning of the game and they had to restructure their team. And they also uh, had put in place a new system the day before the game. They had one training session and a team meeting to try and get that together. So he said, for the first five minutes, we weren't at it. We scored our goal in the first five minutes. He said, I felt like it was much more comfortable, and felt like it was only going to go in one way. So even even the bright spots taken out of Oxford when we dominate are, are out of those kind of scenarios. So we like, we need more players. So there's, there's no there's no doubt about that. We need better players. But it's pointless signing a good promising midfielder if you're then going to leave him on the bench, and it's pointless. Signing a player that's going to score 20, 30 goals a season and putting him on the wing. And and these are the problems that we're we're facing at the minute. And I think it does because of those factors. If he was picking the right players in the right positions all the time, and we were still being letting would be like, okay, we just need some better players, some people that are mentally there and, and can do it for 90 minutes. But also, he's very quiet on the touchline. He's hardly leading these players on the pitch himself with what he's doing. So, you know does he not need to maybe just look at his own position and say well hang on I I need to drive these players the last 10 minutes when they're mentally fatigued I need to be helping them and shouting out and pointing out where they where they're making mistakes to try and stop some of this so I think it's a a total problem but I'm I'm not keen on more experience if it's at the expense of of good quality footballers
1: Mm, um Luke saying uh, Hector and Fraser have become major scapegoats for us. I think it's unfair. They're all equally as bad as each other, except Dobbo. But I mean, the thing with Heck, I mean, I, I slightly disagree with something Joe said earlier. So I've, he has actually had a couple of good games recently, and that's what makes him more frustrating because he went through this run of looking like the Hector I thought we'd signed, you know, when we first started last season. But then the mistakes eke back in, you know, and, and no clean sheets in in that time is is simply nowhere, nowhere near the level that we're supposed to be at. You know, Fraser. Like even last season, I remember speaking to Dean Holden last season. I think after Fraser got maybe his eighth or ninth goal of the campaign, which some paper is pretty good. But I remember thinking at the time, like, I feel I feel like there's more to come from him. I feel like he could involve he could be involved more in games, and, and this season he's gone backwards. Of course he's playing a, a deeper role, which might not help him, but he's been one of the most frustrating players we signed, you know, considering how long it took us to to, to pick him up. Um yeah, I mean there were comments about Andy Scott um that, that need addressing. Um you know, it's, I mean, Lewis, you, you brought up his quotes from earlier on in the window. If you just want to remind us uh, what sort of lines he was talking along and how much, you know, he, I mean, he's really got to earn his money this uh, this January. Let's put it that way, because he's, he's got a lot of catching up to do with what's been achieved in the transfer window so far, whether the club see it as they were here properly in those two windows or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what I've been most disappointed about with, with Andy Scott so far is the similarity I struck between him and Thomas. Uh, and what I mean by that is coming out and putting yourself above the parapet with with statements. Um obviously there were there was some heavy justification needed for when they let Dean go so quickly. And I think in that came the statements, you know, around this is the last day that we're a losing club. We have lost we've lost six in eight. Anyone in anyone's book that isn't acceptable. Well, where we stand now, we've won one in ten. So where's the where's the progression? Where's the movement? So it's the last that's the last day that we're a losing club. It doesn't it certainly don't feel like that at the moment. I've been really disappointed with the recruitment. I think it's difficult because of the position we've been in in terms of takeovers. I think I, I don't really know the full picture of last January how much control they had, but that window was was diabolical. The players that came in really excluding probably Hector were were well below par and what we expected. None of them were really made a mark at all. The summer, you look at our best two signings, Alfie May and Lloyd Jones, in, in my opinion, others may think different, but those two, in my opinion, have been our best two players. They came in when Steve Gallen was still here. And then following on from that, you're looking at the likes of the loan market that we that we entered and we, it felt like we had a bit of a rush in the loan market in the last few days of the window we saw a come in uh louis watson these sorts of players i mean as it stands at the moment how many of those players could still be here in january ted it probably looks like he's going to go it's been you know reported about louis watson could potentially go back james abankwa i forgot he existed until last week when i was looking this up uh Kamara is injured you'd like to think he'll come back and play but you, you never know that he could get injured again and go back and kem Campbell has come out from the from the curtains in the last couple of weeks but before that it looked like he was done so all five of those signings haven't really made the impact that they they expect the only one I feel sorry for there is Pam because he's been injured I think that's out of his mm. out of his control but yeah. um, sorry, that well. strategy that strategy on the recruitment I think I've said this you know lone players I know people aren't always fans of them because you are um you are sort of developing someone else's player, but it, it benefits us. You know, look at the loan players we've had over the years, like Raksaki last season, Josh Cullen, Christian Bielik. Like they're all players that yes, we've been we've we've developed them for somebody else, but they, it's benefited us. We this time haven't it doesn't really feel like anything's benefited us. And I think our last couple of loan windows have, have been along that line and, and both of those have come under this regime, supposedly. So I, I think that that Andy Scott's got an incredibly incredibly important January to, to try and sort of pull in and, and improve his reputation among the fan base. Cause at the moment I think people are, are pretty concerned about the business we've done and, and would definitely be questioning, you know, the ability and, and, and everything of how, of how our sign-ins are going to be looking in come the end of January and what the squad's going to look like.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ian said that Andy Scott's got a big mouth full of ball. He has to go uh, before Appleton. And you're right. I, I think if, if you re- read a lot about, you know, I mean, I, again, we did it a month ago, we rated our, our our transfer business from the summer and and unfortunately the business done since the re, the new regime came in and Andy came in it was was scored very low. And and you're right about the amount of loan he's going back. Tedic is definitely going back. Uh, can can you yeah, know, I think I think it's known anyway, but that's that's definite. That 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 will be confirmed as and when shortly, you know. Um Louis Watson, we've seen that might he might go back. He's not playing, so you'd understand why he is. A bank was gone back you know <laughs> but i think the club forgot to mention it but he has gone back um it, it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly good um summer window for us you know um andrew's saying your yeah, lone players make a big difference if you get the right ones you yeah, know chris is saying that he hope that that Telic goes well he, he is going uh dean's saying oh, dean's saying what players would want to come back uh to this uh basket case uh, of, of a club I mean we know we know there's there's bodies to come in um so Macaulay Gillespie there, there was a false rumor doing the rounds that he's failed his medical but that's not true um so I think I think that process is still ongoing from what I, from what I understand so uh, as far as I know, he would still be coming in. You know, he was literally at the Valley on Monday, and it sounded like it was very close to being announced on Monday. But, um, yeah, uh, he, he hasn't failed his medical despite, despite like say, that, that rumour that's been going around. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's other names out there, just in, in case of potential incomings. The, the, you know, Connor Coventry was mentioned by Richard Corley. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris, we know we, we've had bids in because we've, uh, you know, Peterborough like to, their dirty laundry in public very much as we saw with uh darren mccantony telling us all about i think how much we bid for him and everything which was uh which was nice um so yeah i mean it's a massive it's a massive january for us obviously we haven't even spoken about keeping keeping hold of of the players like um like Corey. you know martin saying cash in on Corey. he doesn't give enough in a game luxury 30 minute player i mean i i I hold an opposite view of that i think if we lose Corey, especially if alfie is going to be playing on the far side and not getting involved the only way that Alfie playing on the wing can work is if Corey is on the other wing and is constantly feeding whoever the central striker is, who's got to be better, and Alfie can come in and join as a two. That's the only way I can see that working. That's the only way he got his goals when he was playing in a t- uh, on the wide area earlier on. He's now gone three or four games without a goal. So I asked um, Michael Appleton about that after the Bristol Rovers game. He could sense the frustration from him that he's being asked that question by the fans. Because he thinks you know, he said he scored goals out there before he scored goals ten before. That, that's his view on that. You know, I've asked him about it. But if we lose Corey, there's no way that's going to work, and it's not really worked over the last couple of weeks when Corey's been quiet, as we've seen, Joe.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think Corey's, I think Corey's, you know, struggling in in a team where they really only have to double up on him, don't they? I mean, if if you were if you were the opposition manager looking at Chelten, you'd say. Make sure Blackett Taylor doesn't go anywhere. Stop him. Um, make sure that May only gets the ball out in the right wing because he's going to cross it to a striker who's not up to much. Uh, let's make sure that we sit on Dobbo and uh, pressurise Hector stop the long balls in behind. And then that's it. You've, you've stopped us, really, haven't you? There's, there's not a lot more that we've got in the locker. Um, at least when you've got the likes of Tyrese Campbell, who's got a bit of a trick and can beat a player, you've got another option. It, just a few more things to think about. Lou Watson carries the ball, so it's a different threat. But if you're going with the lineup that Appleton has been choosing, you have one way to score goals, which is it bundles up in the box somewhere and someone taps it in. You get an absolute screamer that you're not expecting, like Claire did last season, for instance, just out out of nowhere or Blackett Taylor beats someone and scores, or Blackett Taylor beats someone and someone finishes off a cross. That's it. That's plan A, B, C, D, E, all the way through to Z. So lose Blackett Taylor from that, and you don't even have plan A anymore. So both him and Dobbo are massive for us. I, I'd be very surprised if we had either of them in, in February, because why would either of them want to stay if they've got championship opportunities right now um, and, and be in this kind of system? Um and, and they're going to need, uh, you know, a, a massive, massive upgrade on on the squad with that money, which is going to be very difficult to do in January. So, yeah, I I don't think Corey's been at his best, but I don't think I don't necessarily think it's all all on him. I think he's being set up to have a very difficult ninety minutes ahead of him, where he's just marked out of a game um, and not given much support from from the strikers in the middle because there isn't one there to tap in the goals.
1: Mm. right Lisbon tweeted us hi guys you only have to look at Brighton to realize stability and opportunity is 100% down to the ownership until our owners invest in a top class infrastructure of resources and modeling we stay in limbo and the usual merry-go-round of no character uh, and and leadership I mean I saw Charlie was in the chat earlier um, you know saying he thinks a lot of this is down is down to the owners uh, already Um, yeah I mean it's not been it's not been a great start, Lewis. I mean, the, the argument is they've they've not hit, been here that long, which is which is obviously true in, in in some respects. But yeah, they they need this January to to really show, you know, what 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 they're going to be about here. And and like like I say, I, I hate I hate getting to the fact that it's in January and we say right, plan for next season because it's frustrating. But that's where we are now. So they've got to get it right and plan for next season. They've got to have a, a, a promising second half of the season. The the manager needs that. And, and the squad needs it and the ownership need that so that we're in a position where, you know, if we were to play a side on the last day of the season, I think we are away at Wickham. And do you remember our last day of a couple of seasons ago when we went to Ipswich and got pummeled 4-0? And I remember tweeting, like, they're ready. Like, they're ready for next season. They're, they're in a position. I think they still did more business since then. But I, I want us to be at the end of this season and us go and beat Wickham 3-4-0 or something else, whatever, beating 1-0, whatever, and the Wickham fans to turn around and go, blimey, they're ready for next season, aren't they? And I don't know if I'm confident that's going to be the case yet.
0: No, you and me both. Uh, you know, that's that's where you want to be. I think it's, it'd, be, it'd be pie in the sky to think that anything can happen this season now. And I think, I imagine the, the owners will, will look at it and they are more football people than before, so you'd think that they'd look at it, not you know they're not silly. You must look at it and think, okay, yeah, this is this hasn't gone well. We either make an impact in January to try and get people back on side, sign some decent players, finish strong, so that people are talking about us as you know as candidates to go up next season and and favourites to be up there next season, <clears throat> or we hold off and we invest in the summer because we don't know where we're going to be. But I think ultimately yeah, everything it's going to take a lot of time because we as a football club have gone through years and years of neglect. And it's very early in in this group's tenure to to judge what they're doing. All we can really judge is what we're seeing on the pitch because we're paying supporters and we're turning up and we're seeing performances that aren't good enough and, and we're seeing players that aren't performing well enough and we're seeing the crowds drop because of that. And they're all things that impact us directly. What we don't see is is maybe they're doing stuff in the background that is strengthening the infrastructure of the club that maybe we're not seeing that we might benefit from in a couple of years. You know, it's, it's so early, um, but ultimately football is a competitive sport and, and fans want to see their team winning as many games as possible and they want to see the better players pulling on their shirt. And at the moment, we're not getting that, you know, as a Charlton, as a product for the supporters isn't attractive. And there's a lot of work to be done to make it that again. And it feels like there's a real disconnection at the moment that. We as a club, you know, thrive so much on that fan and club bond. It feels like that's really, really battered at the moment from years and years of damage. And it's going to take a long time to rebuild that. But what isn't helping at the moment, of course, is that the football is, isn't good enough. And ultimately, I think we need a strong January and to finish this season strong to try and get everybody back on side so that we can all push forward together next season on and off the pitch.
1: Mm, um, yeah, they're, they're interesting to talk about sort of how damaged we are as a fan fan base and our, our relationship with the club is, is is at an all-time low and it has been for you know a, a few years now. Um and, and it's hard and that, that's why every setback and and this is more than a setback this is another season in league 1 at the lowest point in our entire footballing history on the pitch feels even worse you know it feel it just feels awful when when we know we're going to be stuck down here for another year and that's why things going wrong uh you know and the manager calling for perspective is it, going to be hard to get that back because you know we are we are damaged at the moment we are damaged goods uh chris davin pointing out that it all went wrong after the scripted holding hands running to the covered end after the first game Do you remember when we'd uh won the league after the, the old Liverpool 2-West Brom 2 celebration. If Leighton Orient had anything about them, they would have done that back to us <laughs> on, on Boxing Day because uh, that was uh, that was funny. Chris says, wasn't everyone meant to be together after the Spain trip? Yeah, well, you know, having a nice weekend in the sun and, and watching the lads train only takes them so far when, when they're going to serve up what they've served up, unfortunately. Uh, throughout the course... Uh, of this season, right. We're going to have a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to focus our attention on Port Vale away. Uh, we've got our Port Vale guest who's waiting in in the waiting room as well. uh Hang around. We shall be back uh, in about a minute or so. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent, local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police-checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk
2: Hello, fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer, it's owned by Chomp fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the valley too. If your match day routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon.
3: It's that time of the year. Your vacation
0: is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
1: Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. Let's start to gear up for Saturday's trip uh, up to Vale Park. Not a happy hunting ground uh, for us. I've only been there twice. We haven't been there uh, that often, but both times I've gone there. The first time Russell Slade had a massive go uh, at the players and the fans. Um, it's a funny story. I, I, like You guys will all know Ben, who who joins us on the pod sometimes. Uh, and, and Ben would come to the majority of away games, um, especially the midweek ones, and we'd all stay up there, a few of us um and obviously i go off and do the work and then once i finish doing my work i would go find ben and, and, and our friend pauline and we'll have a pint or two after the game and and debrief and i remember getting back to the to the pub after that one and saying cool he was not happy it was a game where we we were 1-0 up with a few minutes left and then he i think he bought on harry lennon to give away a penalty so he certainly made a negative sub gave away a penalty we drew 1-1 uh, and the away end started singing russell slade ain't got a clue so Went back and told Ben, it's like, well, you weren't happy with this song that was coming out of the crowd. And Ben was like, Oh, I started that one. And I was like, Oh, cheers, gave me an easy ride there with the manager, didn't you? Um, and then, obviously, last season uh, was Ben Garner's implosion um, after the, the comments about uh, Thomas Sanger. I listened back to him earlier today, and it was remarkable to hear a manager speaking uh, about the recruitment of the club like that. But in fairness, you could argue we've already had that this season as well, with Michael Appleton speaking about the last two windows not being anywhere near good enough. And, and even though Andy Scott refuted that or rebuted that a little bit you know that's still what the manager said uh so hopefully we'll have a better trip this weekend um and uh let's uh bring on our guest now uh to discuss uh the veil vale, uh mike bagley uh from the valiant newsletters join us hi mike uh, thanks for joining us how are you
3: no problem at all hi fellas yeah i'm fine thanks hope you're okay and i, I hope you enjoyed your pint in Burslem more than the more than the game
1: by the I same it certainly seems, seems to be the thing to do in Bursley when you're up there you've got loads of nice pubs um, yeah um, so Mike tell us uh, a little bit about Vale's season I remember when when you guys came to uh, the Valley towards the end of last year you, you were on the verge of staying up I think you're, you're staying up that w- was actually confirmed that day but I don't know I felt like there was some unhappiness um, in, in the supporter base this time last year 15th you're on the same points and uh, as us in League One which I can assure you is not an achievement but um, I mean <laughs> no. how how, uh, how have you guys rated your season so far? Um, I, I suppose inconsistent I mean
3: overall I think Vale's budget is probably around 15th or maybe a place or two lower so you could argue that uh, overachieving by a place or two um, made an awful start losing 7-0 at Barnsley on the opening day of the season and then responded that to that really uh, impressively I think won 6 out of 7 I think so um by mid-September, we could have gone top of the league, ended up losing to Burton and then didn't win again for ages. So it of plummeted down the table, improved a bit, and then he has been a bit inconsistent since then. So now find ourselves in 15th. I think the last um, the last week's probably been typically, re- you know, recent games. Played really well to beat Blackpool 3-0 at Vale Park, but then lost 2-1 to um, bottom of the league, Carlisle, on New Year's Day. So, um, don't ask me for a prediction because i've got no no idea what will happen on saturday <laughs> um
2: firstly can you confirm that you don't score any goals in the last 10 minutes of the game before we get our hopes up um and then the second second question I suppose, what would be uh what would be the main threats for for us to be looking at from you so i mean you've already scored three against us so obviously you've got you you <laughs> in the uh in the tank and you scored three recently so who would be the main players to be watching out for? Right. Okay.
3: So, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't promise about no goals in the last 10 minutes. It feels like not, but <laughs> I might be wrong. Um, so, yeah, main threats. Um, James Wilson definitely who's just come back from injury. He's a real um, quality player. who's was at Manchester United as a youngster and then went on loan to the Championship Clubs. But he's had a history of injuries, really, which is why he's ended up in League One. Um, but he's he's just come back uh, from injury. And he makes such a difference. He's a real quality player. Uh, can play as a centre forward or just off the striker. Um, he scores goals, but he's just he's just great to watch as well. Um, like I said, a player who should really be playing in the in the championship at least. Uh, so he's a threat. Uh, ben Garrity, who's a midfielder, he scored eleven goals so far this season. Mainly, as I said, mainly from midfield. Uh, but he had a slight knock at the end of the game at Carlisle, so I'm not. 100 sure he'll he'll start on on Saturday. If he does, though, he's a, he's a real threat, real fans' favourite, hard-working midfielder,
0: but a real a real good finisher as well. Mike, how have the club reacted to losing uh, Oli Arblaster? Obviously, I think he left you was a real big player for you guys. Yeah. How how have you sort of coached with losing a player of his of his sort of stature?
3: Yeah, well, he, he was excellent as well, Louis. I mean, he. Um he looked a, re- a real good player, his first loan, England under 20 international, and he was a midfielder who could do do everything really, sort of old-fashioned, almost box-to-box midfielder. And unfortunately, when he was recalled by Sheffield United, Vale also lost his partner in, in central midfield, Funzo Ojo, uh, who's out with a hamstring injury. Um, and they've coped a lot better than I thought would be the case, actually. So um, Alfie Devine, who's another England under 20 international, he's on loan from Tottenham. He, he's largely played as an attacking midfielder, but he's dropped deeper. Um, so he's sort of the holding midfielder, really. Um, and he's been excellent. Last two games, he's been man of the match in one of them, and I think probably runner-up for man of the match in the other. He's only 19, but he can do a bit of everything. Um, I suppose almost like a, a quarterback-style football, you know, really spray long passes out to the wing-backs. Um, a competitive player as well. And then Garrity, who I just mentioned, has been playing a little bit deeper than usual in midfield as well. So actually vale have although the shorter numbers those two those who have done a good job in sort of covering for um our blaster and uh, and ojo
1: yeah, and just finally then, I mean, as you said, you won't give us a prediction in terms of the the, the score, which I think is fair with, with us as well at the moment obviously we're we're not very strong on the road um, we've only won one away game all season what what is sort of Port Vale's playing style at home? will they allow us to have a lot of possession and, and sit in and try and make it difficult to to break them down are they are they happy to do that on home turf?
3: Generally, Vale have, have, have tried to have a sort of possession-based style and that's been a sort of bone of contention actually with supporters because they have, they have changed to that that style this year. Some fans like it, some some fans don't like it at all. They don't like um play, vale play with three at the back and they don't like seeing the three centre-halves knock it about to each other, back to the keeper, you know, and so on. But Vale have generally had more possession in games than the opposition. Um, there was a change to that though in the last home game where uh, they returned to Blackpool who came and kept the ball really well, but didn't really hurt Valeworthy. with Vale were so vale prepared to sit in and sort of pick the moments really to go forward. So I suppose they might go with that that game plan. That's not much of it. It's not really a definitive answer, but they can do both. But generally, it's been, uh, they've tried to keep possession and, and, and unpick teams that way. I think it might suit Vale if Charlton come and, come and have a go at them,
1: though. That'll be very interesting because, uh, yeah, just to see how we approach a game away from home. Where I, I feel like we we can be quite good on, on turnovers. That's what we were doing on Monday against Oxford. But, yeah, interesting game. 14th against 15th in League One. Can't wait for it. Mike, thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks for your time. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you up there on, uh, on Saturday.
3: I look forward to seeing you. Thanks very much. Cheers.
1: There we go. That's Mike Baggley uh, from the uh, Valiant Newsletter. Giving us a load down on uh, Port Vale ahead of um, Saturday's uh, trip up there. We should hear uh, from uh, our addict's boss uh, as well, Michael Appleton. Uh, I asked him just to look ahead to that game uh, after the defeat against Oxford on Monday. Every
4: game's massive. Every game's massive. Every three points is, is massive and that's our attitude to it and always has been. Um, you know, we, we've certainly apart from possibly late in Orient, even though we were the better team in that game because it, it was a dull game. But apart from that, away from home, some of the performances have been pretty good of late. So um, if we can pick ourselves up, which we will, there's enough spirit in that group, in that dressing room. I've seen it after the game there. Um, then, yeah, we're more capable of going to Port Vale. Do you think
1: Alfie's got a chance to be back? Obviously, it was 50-50 before today and didn't feature.
4: I hope so. I hope so. Obviously, you know, I think that, um it was, you know, a little bit gutted and disappointing that he wasn't available today. Obviously he was suffering a little bit, as we mentioned, at Bristol. But I'd like to think and hope with a clear week um that um yeah, we can put ourselves in a in a position where we maybe get him on the pitch.
1: There we go, that's Michael Appleton looking ahead then to Saturday's trip up to Vale Park. All hell let loose is saying, Do we have to? I mean I'm afraid we do. <laughs> that that's the the hardest part at the moment um, it is it is going to be a slog this second half of the season. You know, I mean, we're hoping for, you know, the the January, as Dan says, still waiting for the big January promised games come thick and fast. And clearly, there it seems there is no plan or talks uh, before the window. I mean, I'm I'm certain the club will deny that. Obviously, we have heard, you know, the odd rumor be behind the scenes. But uh, Brazilians is saying, don't get your hopes up on January. History says we're in for a dry january uh, as per I mean, again we'll we'll have to see uh, what what happens scott saying appleton says performances have been good of late um you know I, I i assume he's referring to a couple of the away games we've had in the last the last couple of months so the likes of um, you know we did play well at barnsley uh, you could go back to portsmouth where we got a good point just, you know despite being under pressure for large spells of that game joe but you know he he needs a performance certainly um, Saturday. And, and, and dare we suggest he might need a win as well.
2: <clears throat> we definitely need to win. Um, there's That's cast iron guarantee. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the comment about we've been good away from home um, is, is baffling. Is, quite frankly. He, he's talking after a 1-0 loss away to Leighton Orient and a 2-1 loss away to Bristol Rovers where we were second best for the majority of both of those games. So yeah, but then he thought we deserved the win at Bristol Rovers, so that probably says more about him than it does about anything else. It's it's gonna it's gonna be tough. I mean, if they've got if they've got youth and energy in midfield, which sounds like they do, you know, nineteen-year-olds floating about, they're gonna run for days, aren't they? And them against Fraser's legs is is gonna be a bit of a concern. I, I know that he's talking about potentially having back the likes of McGrandles and. All of these players that he thinks is going to make a difference, but he has to go. He has to win. And I think he has to win well. I mean, scraping a 1-0 off of someone's backside, I don't think is going to particularly cut it for for the majority of fans. And after that, we've got the likes of Peterborough. So we really do need to try and get some points on the board so that we're a little bit further, a little bit more cosy away from that relegation zone before we start going into that really tricky run but I think it's for me looking forward fail Burton Northampton they're, they're the three they're, they're three big crunch games and and Appleton's going to need to make sure he's got the squad fired up ready to go right team and 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 really get the results that he needs in those all of those three
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, the sad thing is we said something very similar before we went into the run of, of three games. Do you remember Do you remember before the game against Burton, I highlighted that I think seven points out of nine minimum before we go into that Oxford game on New Year's Day and we got one, you know, one out of 12. It is problematic that we're not putting away the teams we'd, we'd expect to at this moment in time because, I mean, statistically this season we're, we're getting better results against the bottom half, you know. As uh, Joe mentioned there, don't I mean, don't look at the fixture list for February. Goodness me. <laughs> we've got some real tough ones. Uh, Derby, uh, Bolton, Portsmouth. Derby twice in February, in fact, because we've got them starting uh, and the end of, of the month. Um, so, someone mentioned earlier, G- Jim Cognito, about Corey Blackett-Taylor saying something along the lines of he wondered if we'd be better off without him in the long run because he, he might make us a bit one-dimensional. I'm just trying to find, find the comment, but that's pretty much what he said. Uh, yeah, here we go. He said, um, I think we'd be better off without Corey. He, he only suits one formation, which throws the team balance off-kilter. I mean, is that is that how you see it? I mean, I just don't know if we've got anything anywhere near creative enough elsewhere in the side for that to be true. I mean, maybe in the long run, if we back it up with better players, but I just can't see it because we historically don't.
0: No, I, I don't. I don't really get that. I, I can see, I can see what he means. Like our, our go to and, and plan A is always get it to Corey. Hope that Corey can skin his man and get a ball in the box, and that it, it pings off someone's toe. But I suppose when when team suss Corey out, which when he seems to be our our main outlet, obviously ignoring Alfie, like our main outlet, people are going to target him, and, and they're going to double up on him, and And make it very difficult for him to to play to his strengths. I don't think taking him out out the side would do us any favors at the moment because I don't know who you would put anywhere else to give us more. You know, more of an option. I I look around at the squad at the moment and I look at the team and I think if I took Corey out and I changed my tactics, what would I do? And and I can't really see it. So yeah, I'd find it. I find it really bizarre if we did if we did take him out. So. At the moment, he's our most effective player, isn't he? He's the only person that can make something happen um, and can create as well as score. So I think it would be a little bit silly to to sort of suggest that we'd be better without him, especially at this stage anyway.
1: Yeah, Brazil saying better to be one-dimensional than non-dimensional. Uh, um, Chris saying it sounds like two crap teams. Uh, I guess that's, that's part of the course when it's 15th versus 14th in League One, I guess. Uh, Aaron Rolf saying we play the system four three three four, 4 Corey. Uh, Blackett Taylor, all hell let loose, and is it does it show how desperate Apple's is that he's looking for a return of McGrandles uh, to turn? our season around Paul saying away from home, we've been poor against teams playing almost as poorly uh, as us. You know, I mean that, that that's certainly the case. I mean, in some of those weeks, I mean, Leighton Orient w- was up there with, with the worst. We've seen obviously Jill's away in the cut was, was terrible. You know, if you're clinging on to a, a couple of good performances on the road, you're looking at that Barnsley game and, and probably like the Portsmouth game, you're going all the way back to the start of November four, I think. Um, so yeah, certainly work to do. There was an email actually from uh, Richard, Uh, I should uh, say, uh, we're steadily heading in only one direction and it isn't up. Uh, Appleton is not the future, but there's no point in sacking him now. It'll just be another panic appointment. We'll just go around and around again. Keep him and write this season off. Secretly plan for summer now. Identify someone with class and a proven track record and pay him the money. Uh, Get him planning, lining up and identifying players he wants between now and the end of the season. Sack Appleton at the end of the final match and give the new guy the whole summer to get the players in and uh, begin to implement a plan uh, that he's been working on for five to six months thanks for giving me the platform and give up the good work uh, you are much appreciated that's uh, from uh, richard cheers uh, for the rest uh, the message uh there richard um in terms of i mean tom tom saying that Vale have no midfield honestly i mean it, it feels like a bit of a silly question at this point because it, like i say, there's every chance he's going to be going back at some point but um joe who would you pick in midfield this week between scott and louis watson for example if that decision was still available to be made
2: <clears throat> uh if you've been living under a rock, because uh, <laughs> 'cause I'd have Louis Watson at well, can, can you about. see him can you see him making
1: that decision? Can can you <laughs> no. see him making that decision? And no. I mean, 'cause cause he spoke about one we haven't even mentioned actually, I don't think, you know, he I asked him about Louis not playing and obviously being behind Karoy Anderson uh, after the game at Bristol Rovers and he spoke about Louis being out of form. Um now I'm obviously he, you know, he, he wasn't the only one who didn't play very well away at Gillingham, but he didn't play very well away at Gillingham. I wasn't at the Reading Bristol's game so I don't know how well he played there but people tell me it wasn't great um, you know you're sort of in the stage where anything's got to be better than what we've seen in the midfield from from someone like Scott or Karoy recently
2: Yeah, he, he won't pick Louis Watson, he's obviously decided that he doesn't like him whatsoever um, the fact he didn't come on when we were crying out for someone to relieve some pressure on us on, on Monday, tells you everything you need to know, the fact he's picking Karoy ahead of him is is, a, is another sign you know if you say you want experience and then pick someone whose first professional game was this year doesn't it doesn't really make any sense so he won't I would I would have Lou Watson in there I think his energy is important I think he helps Dobbo immensely uh, I think he holds on to the ball relieves pressure I think he's got a good pass he's got a bit of creativity about him I, I don't see the downside um, and what we're going to find is that Fraser's legs aren't you know, aren't aren't there. And he he doesn't work particularly hard defensively. He he hides from the ball. I think he makes us weaker, puts more pressure on Dobbo. So for me it's a no absolute no-brainer. But it won't be. Um and and that's that's the frustration for me. Cause I think that genuinely I think that the only thing that's worse than some of Apple's team selections are some of his post match interviews where he seems to just watch a completely different game to me. And maybe that's why Fraser gets in, but uh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna need him. We're also gonna need Alfie May back. I think if we have got any chance of of nicking a goal, because it doesn't matter how much we create if you've got no one to stick in the back of the net.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, Dean's saying, um, "How do you get your form back or a chance to show it if you don't uh, get uh, a game?" I'm mean, just a bit of breaking news. Um, Sheffield Star uh, saying that Charlton are likely contenders for Tyreek Backinson um, to sign for us a midfielder on loan. So that's one name that's just been thrown into the mix by a legitimate um, journalist. Uh, Alex Miller up at Sheffield Star you remember Backinson because he scored against us for Ipswich uh, in the 4-0 and he scored against us for Sheffield Wednesday in the 1-0 at Hillsborough at the start of last season as well so if we sign him he can stop scoring against us which will be nice right we've run out of time uh, on this week's uh, big match preview um, we, we've covered a lot of ground there I'm sure there's still more to cover Um, which we will do on Sunday morning. So we'll be back at 10 o'clock Sunday morning to look back at the game against Port Vale, speak about whatever else we want to speak about um, that's happened over the last few weeks, signings uh, and whatnot. Um, Massive thank you, though, to everyone who's joined us live uh, on YouTube and sent in hundreds of comments. I've tried to get to as many as possible. Sorry if I've missed uh, any and and emails and whatnot. Um, Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, get those uh, subscription numbers up, then you won't ever miss the show Uh, again. um, Massive thank you to Joe and Lewis pleasure to speak to you guys as always
2: cheers guys yeah cheers do it all again
1: next week yeah looking forward to it you make you make me so happy when it remind me that we have to do this again after a, another potential game <laughs> but yeah we'll see uh, massive thanks um, to uh, to Mike who joined us uh, earlier on as well to let us know about uh, Port Vale but yeah thanks for listening uh, I'm Louis Mendes. this has been Charlton Live sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen Bedroom and Bathroom Installation we'll see you again on Sunday morning <laughs>